think I do. All right, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember if I put the card in or not. <laughs> I've got a lot of jokes. I'm just going to leave them where they lie. Oh, yeah. Maybe just spend an hour talking over you. Everybody loves that. Yeah, it's going to sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> And you can't even fix that in post. There's just no way to, no way to fix that. No, the only way to fix that in post is to get a new, uh, get a new co-host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or change our format. That's right. Right, right. Which we are doing we're, for this show. We're 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 no longer going to be you know fun banter back and forth. We're just going to argue and talk over each other for an hour, just like every sports show on ESPN <laughs> for the last ten years. <laughs> Like, I agree with what you just said, but I'm going to be very angry right. and tell you that you're all wrong. No, no, I don't. I don't know if I believe you on, on most of those. The funny thing is people might enjoy that. I don't know. I really disagree with that statement. Honestly, I think you're kind of dumb for saying it. And I, uh, I now we have to watch our we'll have to watch our uh, our stats. If our stats go up really fast, then we know people like the intro. That's right. <laughs> that is right. funny. But. You and I have been talking about a couple different formats, which I think is, you know, why we're we're creating this intro here. And maybe as part of our intro, we explain a little bit of what we were doing because we had interviews, which we would we'd worked on before. We talked about doing some roundtables or fireside chats at some point and really getting our our audience and a lot of our peers together to talk about a lot of the topics that we, we talk about today. Trying to not just have the two of us talking, but bringing in other smart of, people. Uh, a lot of those folks was, ah, damn it. What happened? My, my internet is, is unstable today because it's cold outside. <laughs> Where do you live? Alaska? <laughs> and it's so funny. Like I live in a major city. A major U.S. city, and whenever it rains or whenever it gets too cold, there's two things that are going to happen. The stoplights stop working, and the internet runs slow. Wow. I, I don't know why. I don't know. I legitimately don't know why, but it is very true. You drive around St. Louis, and it's raining outside. There's a good chance whatever stoplight you're at is just going to start flashing red because I don't know water. Yeah. Water got into the control box on the, pa- on the, on the pole. Right. Wow. I, I guess but it's been that way forever and it's really annoying. Um, but back to what I was trying to say when my internet cut out, <laughs> we, you know, it, it having, you know, bringing in some other voices I think is really good for us and it's going to help us expand the content. It's going to help us bring more stuff and, you know, we're not experts on everything. And it'd be great to, uh, to really talk to some of those experts and, and kind of see, see where we go from there. Right. You and I pick a topic and we have some fun with it for a week. It's something that we might have some background knowledge in. Sometimes one of us doesn't have any knowledge in the topic and we just, you know, go do some research and we talk about it and go through at a high level because we're also interested in it. But we talk to a lot of people with a lot of deep knowledge. It'd be great to bring them on and dive deeper into certain topics, whether it's some of the AI stuff we've talked talked about, whether it's, you know, different digital strategies, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, different levels of project uh, management, oversight, or even the topic we have today, which is metrics. That's right. And, you know, these are, 
you know, two guys that, you know, I've known for a handful of years. I know, you know, them as well. Um, they've put together a kind of a metrics framework that they call EEBO, which stands, which stands for kind of engineering excellence, business outcomes. And I think it's kind of interesting how they're, they're trying to tie those two things together. They'll talk about kind of the left side of being engineering excellence and then the right side being business outcomes. A lot of the metric kind of systems and tools out there really only focus on the engineering side. You know, here's the Dora metrics. Here's, um, you know, how many commits you've done. You know, there's plenty of tools out there that can give you a ton of metrics, but you know, even if, you know, even if you build something the most efficient way possible, you're driving it as quickly as possible. If you're building the wrong thing or you're building something that the business doesn't care about, then that's the ultimate form of waste in my mind. Right. You're driving really fast towards a wall. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, that hurts when you hit it. Yeah. So it's like Dora on steroids. That's what we're saying. This is, this is yeah, kind of taking it to the uh, next level. Yeah. I look at it as kind of Dora plus plus, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit in the interview, but you know, it's not, it's not a hundred metrics. It's seven metrics on the engineering side with four categories on the business side. And, uh, the, it forces a lot of conversations that I don't believe happen as naturally as you would think in some of the agile environments that you see. And, you know, you'll hear people talk about you know, well, the product owner, the product manager needs to come in and tell us what this is all about. And well, that doesn't really work in a lot of ways. It, it's, it's not contextualized. It's you're just coming in and giving this talk and whatever it's supposed to be rah, rah kind of, you know, cheerleading, but you're not really a part of it. And if you can pull that team of people together, the engineers, kind of business analysts, product owners, product managers, whatever that group is, and align to some of these metrics, understand where they are, understand what you're doing. Everybody's going to be much more on the same page and it's really going to, hopefully make the team run a little more efficiently. Yeah. Provide more clarity too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess we don't have to uh, kind of beat around the bush a little bit. Why don't we, uh, why don't we head over and talk to these guys and, and uh, kind of see where we go. I think that's a great idea. Let's take a look. All right. So just as a quick introduction, so I have uh, Sachin and Dinker with me. Both are the kind of co-creators of the Ebo Metrics product. And we brought them on today to really go over it a little bit, see what what it's all about, why you created it, where you see it going in the future. And, and really just to, well, one, teach me about it and also to teach kind of everybody else out there. So it's nice to nice to have you guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. So I guess what what kind of brought you to to this kind of line of thinking? Where where did it where did it all kind of start from? And just kind of tell me a little bit about the about the story. Okay, um, I can take that. Uh, so so this started like a few years ago. Me and Dinkar were uh, talking to many of our customers, and uh, when we used to talk about it one of the question used to be a very repetitive one is how do I measure the productivity of my team? Uh, we see 
a bump in that request post pandemic a lot and uh, it was about like our hypothesis is that this is a culmination of like few things one would be is uh, we went little bit distant remote and all that stuff so people wanted to understand is everybody on the team is working as it is expected to uh that's the pessimistic side of why people are interested in productivity and the optimistic side is people are genuinely thinking that they want to increase the productivity reduce the cost of uh, engineering also these inefficiencies also cause a lot of people to feel frustrated so if you are productive you know exactly you are delivering value it's better so we are leaning towards the second one more than the first one uh that's how we started about it and we uh, we started creating this concept and a tool and this framework emerged out of that and everybody resonated so we continued working on it refining it building it and today what you see ebo is um, a pretty fleshed out concept of engineering excellence to business outcomes and in uh, one sentence the philosophy is about um, engineering teams measure engineering metrics at great length for last many decades it is just that business outcomes are not juxtaposed next to it so we wanted one goal of building a line of sight between engineering outcomes and business outcomes that's so that's so when so to you know a lot of people like you said a lot of people are talking about you know developer productivity and those kinds of things so does this really answer that question or is it, you know, I mean, there's, cause I look at productivity different than kind of outcomes and, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about, you know, we need more productivity. Well, what does that actually mean? Are you trying to create more engineering widgets or are you trying to get towards a goal faster, better, quicker? And, um, you know, I guess it's to me, it's the difference between productivity and effectiveness a little bit. Um, but so what, I guess, I guess go a little bit deeper into like, you know, what is the, what is the framework? So, you know, you're, if you're going to trying to align kind of the outcomes, engineering outcomes with metrics, what does that, what does that kind of look like? Sure. So, um, you know, if you go by the name, right, engineering excellence to business outcomes. So the first thing we wanted to establish was that, is there a way where we can correlate investments efforts going into bringing excellence within your engineering team to business outcomes. And there kind of uh, lies the germ of the thought that you brought up that everything should have a business purpose. Uh, are you just going to spin off a lot of uh, widgets or are you going to help business do more things, better things, faster, so on and so forth, right? So um, while conceptually everyone agrees, is there a statistical method? Is there a metric-driven way where we could actually establish this correlation? So uh, people would say that it's worth investing time in improving our lead time because, hey, look, it does lead to better business outcomes. So when we started doing this, uh, the hypothesis was the left-hand side, which is engineering excellence, should correlate to right-hand side, which is business outcomes. When we look deeper into engineering excellence, we, of course, started with Dora 4 key metrics. They've done a very good research. Probably that is sufficient on left-hand side. But then we, uh, as we spent more time talking to different teams, uh, you know, uh, our uh, clients uh, with whom we are working in various organizations, we realized that, uh, you know, uh, if there are two teams, 
who are, let's say, for example, pushing code into production very fast and they have very good four key metrics, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe they are doing things which are uh, leading to more tech debt uh, because they're kind of pushing the code without refactoring it properly. Maybe they're not paying that much attention to security. Maybe they're not picking up very good practices and the whole focus is there now. Uh, does that mean that along with excellence in the development in the production environment, we need to bring in certain metrics that reflect excellence in software development process, right? Oh. So if you said, okay, it looks like the left-hand side should be excellence in software development and excellence in how software is in production environment. And that's where the first thing that uh, we started adding on uh, came into being and we kind of, and we can go deeper in this one or next one on why we pick build failure rate, take debt and number of security issues to reflect excellence, right? Uh, on the uh, software development side, we felt that four key metrics are the right metrics you know why recreate something that someone has already spent uh, time on and that became our left hand side so from a framework perspective we got seven metrics that reflect engineering excellence on left hand side and on the business outcome side it was very difficult to pin down specific metrics because businesses are different uh, they operate in a different way but um, during this research Sachin and me collected around 700 or so business metrics being used in software context started looking each one of them is there a pattern is there a pattern and a pattern did emerge uh, you know some of the metrics were involved in improving effectiveness um, and efficiency some of the metrics were involved around improving the experience some of them were uh, involved around improving the influence that this product has within its market and very few metrics which we actually liked and wanted to bring in because that kind of creates a whole 360 degree view was metrics that help you sense what's happening in the market. Mm-hmm. So we said, hey, on the right hand side, probably you should have a metric around all these four categories. So that will help you understand your business. And that's how this whole uh, framework came in. So, and um, then uh, one of the things that... Um, Sachin and I were working on is uh, while this correlation, you know, if you put these two kind of graphs together, you can figure out the correlation. Um, but we thought that hey, is there a statistical method uh, possible? So we did. Uh, we do have uh, an opinion of how that can be done, and uh, that's there. So. A long answer to your short question, <laughs> the framework has a left-hand side and a right-hand side. Our hypothesis is that they should correlate. And we have certain uh, you know, experiences and examples that if they are no, not correlating, what could be going wrong? So that, that's actually really, really interesting. So to, to focus on kind of the left side, the, the engineering excellence side. So what I heard you saying was, you know, the DORA, DORA metrics are great. So, the you know, but it, it does take more than that because, you know, okay, I deploy every three days. Is that good? Well, maybe, maybe not, depending on exactly what the overall situation is. So you're taking in other metrics along to help define what good engineering looks like. Um, yeah. Can you dig a little deeper into what those, what those metrics are? Or is there, I mean, I know you said you had 700, but is there, is it a, a, a simpler is there a simple answer to that or is it no there's just a whole bunch of them that you have to be be careful of 
There is. Um, so there are like two uh, small uh, items which I wanted to add to what Dinkar was saying to your earlier point, uh, the efficiency and effectiveness. Uh, efficiency to me is uh, getting um, like getting the same amount of output in less efforts. That's increasing efficiency. And effectiveness is about getting more out of the same effort uh, in terms of output. Um, and if you think about it, the Evo metric has uh, no opinion on what you should do. You may be measuring to increase your effectiveness or increase your efficiency. That's that's up to you. That depends upon how you want to measure it. Now, if you see the whole philosophy is all about like getting the engineering excellence measured, that your team is doing engineering-wise good. Um, and to justify that, DORA 4K metrics is one thing. And then, then we try to analyze a lot of metric to figure out how you can even like measure engineering. And we just came up with three metrics. One is um, the build failure rate that is in the development environment. Mm -hmm. If your CICD is actually having a build failure rate of very high degree, that indicates there is a lack of discipline. Your team is maintaining. Uh, and this could be a variety of reasons. The second one is the overall technical debt indicator. And the third one is security warnings indicators. And the reason we collected only three is these are abstract enough, which could be, if you want to drill down, could be dependent upon 10 or five other things. For example, build failure rate in development environment mm -hmm. could be a function of lack of discipline, uh, flaky test environments. It could be because of you don't even have a proper build process which is reliable enough uh, and like variety of things. So these seven metrics, like four key metrics plus these three, that's all we say is essential toolkit for you to measure engineering excellence. Now, that does not mean you should just rely on seven. And on the right-hand side, the four categories which Dinkar mentioned, and you should pick only few of them. Mm -hmm. Our idea is that when you create a dashboard out of your, based on your ebook philosophy, and you could use any tool, uh, it could be an Excel sheet for that, all you know. Whenever you do that, don't put like 200 charts on it. <laughs> just because they are all important metrics. But maybe I like and my charts, Sashin. Like, I just, I just want to have like 50. Like what's wrong with that? I, I I agree. It looks pretty, but uh, you have you have like zero point zero one percent people's uh, uh, cognitive ability to even interpret that. The majority of people like me would struggle to even like make a story out of it. And me and Dinkar call that the metrics deluge. Just because you have more metrics um, getting measured on uh, the screen does not indicate that you are actually measuring better things. It's just that you have too many, too much data coming your way. It's just you don't know what to do with it. Well, it's, it's not so, actionable in almost any way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the key tenant. And to make it actionable, what we recommend, um, and uh, that's what we are also, like me and Dinkar are writing a book around Evo metric, because we have been talking about it on our podcast and uh, uh, like on our website. But it is all like in fragmented fashion and a non-linear information flow. So the book is a very small read, but what we are intending to do is go systematically. So we want that actionable thing come at the center of it. 
And to do that, you should have this single dashboard, which has juxtaposition of business and uh, outcomes and engineering outcomes. And we want to facilitate that conversation. People should talk about, okay, why my lead time is actually not impacting. We started doing the lead time improvement over the last six months, but my business outcomes are not changing. What's going wrong? That is an uh, that is an important question which the leadership should discuss with the engineering team so that they understand what are the uh, problems which the team is facing. So, this, um, uh, this, um, on this dashboard thing, right? Uh, so, I, I was talking to an executive. And, uh, you know, he, he called me to his office and showed me the dashboard that the team has built. It, it was a very colorful mosaic. It had greens, it has yellows, it had reds. And they said, like, uh, you know, you are talking about seven engineering excellence metrics. I have 42. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, you know, so I said, sure, um, if it's helping you, fine. But next day I got the call from the head of the organization who was responsible for engineering effectiveness, uh, excellence and said that while we have all those metrics, I don't know what to make of it. Right. And that's where, you know, one uh, like uh, bulb, uh, going off kind of moment that um, sometimes people are confusing uh, excellence with operational. What they had were very important KPIs that we're saying that along our value chain, along our development processes, here are points of efficiencies and inefficiencies. That has a purpose, but that should not reflect that. Hey, look at the state of my team. This is the, you know, this is the excellence of my team. This is why my team is doing good. Yeah. So confusing the two is a tricky problem, which we wanted to address. And that's why, as Sachin was saying, right, having few forces here to pick um, uh, meta, uh, like kind of multivariate metrics, which kind of absorb four or five categories of metrics into itself. And for this to move, so many things have to fall into place. And Chris, uh, in terms of like operational metric, when we talk about, right, the key examples which come on uh, top of my mind are uh, cycle time, uh, burn up and burn down rate. Uh, these are truly operational metric in our sense. They indicate something, but they don't necessarily indicate progress. The cycle time should be less. Yes. So, but that is actually aggregated at the level of lead time. So between like your commit and production, you are able to have a smooth path uh, to production, which is reliable that you can promote your builds and that commit from different stages to the production that will impact positively onto your cycle time. So we don't care about cycle time that way because it's an operational metric. Burn up, burn down. It's like project manager's dream. Like that's their staple food, which they keep serving to their leadership. Right. Uh, but that indicates nothing, whether you are achieving business outcome or not, whether my stories and features released to the production are useful or not. They have no bearing on that. And that's why we don't, uh, there is a value in tracking those uh, as a supporting secondary or tertiary set of metrics. You do that. If that is something which is a bottleneck and you want to highlight uh, using these metrics, fine bias. We are not saying these are bad metrics. Do not use them. What we are saying is have less metric at the top level so yes. that you can uh, 
talk about actionable uh, items rather than some very operational things. So, so just so Lisa, I'm clear. So on the the seven the seven metrics on kind of the engineering excellence side, you have the four Dora metrics, and then you had the I know you had tech debt. And then I honestly, security, I forgot security, security count and uh, build failure rate. Um, so then, so I guess the, I always have a couple interesting questions on how some of these are actually like, how do you, how do you go and figure out what is tech debt? Like that's, that's a, that's a really, that's a question that I've struggled with over time in many different areas because it's it's rather opaque in some ways and it's not easy to to track i'd love to uh, to hear kind of how how you how you think about that and maybe how someone might think about trying to to track it there are three types of tech debts which we encountered in different projects one is um, uh, the standard which uh, is taken by tools example is sonar cube open source tools. Um, and these talk about very uh, low level uh, code metric. Example is cyclomatic complexity, uh, your uh, uh, rating of the files itself, like uh, whether uh, they have uh, too many lines or not. This is something which is the static analysis provides you. The second type of debt is essentially the tech debt which you have accounted within your backlog. Example would be is uh, thinking about I am making a decision of using this API, but I need this is a sub suboptimal solution in interest of faster go to market. But I want to promote it to the other one. Um, let's say six months down the line. Uh, that's uh, that's a systematic uh, backlog which you have created of technical debt. And the third one is architectural debt, which gets accrued over a period of time. Earlier, we were deploying into uh, EC2 servers, and now I need to migrate to Fargate or like some sort of containerization. Yeah. Uh, so with static analysis, you cannot collect the second and third type of debt. So uh, you need to have your ways. So you can measure the tech debt into a couple of ways. One is do the static analysis. It is a low-hanging fruit. Quickly do that be done with it. The second and third, you can track. We have seen both flavors. Some teams have tracked it into their um, project management systems by creating uh, tickets and putting estimate on top of it. And they track that as an, uh, like a backlog of things which is pending. So higher the count of like effort which is going up, that means you are accruing so much technical debt. Uh, some people have converted that into time. For example, our estimation is that it will be six months for uh, a pair to address this technical debt. Now think about it. If this goes up and up, they know that my team size itself is like 12 people. You know, a, it's like, even if I stopped all the new features, it will take a, at least three months, four months for me to address all of this. So that's a, that should ring an alarm bell in your head. So there is no reliable way if you are asking for a reliable way, but the teams needs to come to terms how they want to measure technical data of different types and then be consistent with it and be reliable about it. Yeah, I, I would think um, like sentiment scores through surveys would be a good way of, of tracking that as well. Um, I mean, it's a yes. bit more kind of qualitative than quantitative, but you know, 
um, I really like, I really like the idea of, of tracking tech debt there. It, it's, it is a bit fuzzy, but it's something that has to the point you were just trying to make, it has a really high impact on how well a team can, can function. And yeah. you already kind of mentioned it, but you will, you will get to enough tech debt to where you almost can't function anymore as a team where you could just stop building feature work and it's like, Nope, I'm just going to do tech debt for the next six months and still really not be caught up. And you know, you've just ignored it and ignored it and everything's gotten so bad that, that nobody really knows what to do. And that is a, a that is a level of dysfunction that if you can track in any way, you're, you're going to be a lot better off. Absolutely. And then I would imagine. Go ahead. So, yeah. And I like the phrase, you know, a level of dysfunction, right. Uh, in the sense that uh, that's the purpose of outcome metrics, left-hand side, reflecting the excellence. It's what's the discipline of the team's metrics that bring out how disciplined. It's not just a developer, right? Somehow engineering has become synonym for a developer, right? Uh, there's product management involved. Uh, um, there is project management involved. There is capacity building involved. There is getting the right tools to the team. They're getting the right trainings to the team. So many things come together to constitute engineering excellence and somewhere just focus that narrow focus on developer. How many stories did you have? <laughs> has, uh, you know, kind of uh, become the narrow focus. It That point probably has its purpose, has its value, but not in terms of uh, excellence or the bigger outcome that you want to try. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I would imagine the security, the security metric as well as kind of the, you know, kind of security scanning tools, the code analysis tools, those types of things. Yeah. Um, and really just, you know, from like a DevSecOps tooling perspective, how can you track things as it's moving through the build build pipeline before it gets to, to some level of production? Exactly. Um, and, and there are there are all sorts of tools available in that space as well, which can do static. Then it can also aggregate the data from your external test example would be penetration test or uh, uh, a periodic scan, which you actually run on your uh, Docker containers and then all those things. So so it can aggregate all that data and it can just like put these three metrics like uh, critical high low uh, or like critical high, like high low medium. And then you can just say, I cannot have within my project anything which is high or critical. That could be a very good indicator for you to think about. Uh, and we, we think that should be enough. I, yeah. And, uh, if you're, it, it shows where your focus is, at least, at least from thinking of it. If you're not focused on security and other items or tech that items, that means there's an underlying, there's an undercurrent there that is dragging you in other places that doesn't allow you to focus on the things that are very critical to the overall success of an organization. If you have a security incident that could cost you hundreds of millions of dollars or potentially ruin your company, you don't need, you don't need any of those. And if you're not thinking about that, um, an actual incident that came up a handful of months ago, I was at a, I was at a very large client and they had a business critical application that had 2,300 security issues. And it was, they couldn't do anything about it because it was business critical and they, they needed to continue doing the work that they're doing. And everybody just kind of looked the other way. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's like uh, I need my car every day, but I don't have any time to change the oil. And now the engine has just stopped, right? Yeah. Then you're really it's out of luck. Pennies, uh, you know, it, it's uh, from Big Bang Theory. Pennies uh, check engine light. Yeah, it, it's always on. Yeah, what's the big deal, right? I'm right. still driving around. That's right. And so, so over to the the business objective side. So, how many how many metrics were there on the business metric side? Honestly, I, I should remember, but I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. sure. Uh, there were four categories. Um, I'll quickly recap them. Yeah. Uh, one category of metrics are uh, improvement in effectiveness and efficiency of the business process. Whatever this product is uh, being built is contributing to. The second one is uh, improvement in uh, experience, right? Uh, you may have users who are your own employees who are probably, uh, other, you know, other companies' employees in case of B2B. It could be end users uh, who are some consumers, right? So are you improving their, um, you know, experience? Third one was increase in influence, right? How is this product and uh, going and capturing the market? Uh, what is the total addressable market? How you are, uh, you know, spreading in that? Um, the If you look at startup world compared to enterprises world, probably a startup would be more interested in increasing in influence because they have VC money coming in. They're not really very keen on uh, improvement in efficiencies yet. Um, so what degree kind of uh, differs? And the fourth one was market sensing. And market sensing actually came up from our work with few clients uh, whose, uh, you know, whose whole business, um, you know, uh, model was based on certain inefficiencies out there in the market. And one of the things they wanted to measure, and we also recommended them how do they could do that, is uh, can we keep an eye on the inefficiencies? Overall, if the inefficiencies in the market are going down over a period of time, it's an indicator that our business model comes with an expiration date. And uh, we want to track at what point should we start pivoting to something else. So these are the four categories, um, increase in influence and efficiency, increase, uh, uh, sorry, efficiency and effectiveness, increase in influence. Uh, market sensing and uh, increase in uh, user uh, experience. So I really like how you're pulling almost like product level metrics in into this. Um, you know, one of the challenges that I know we've all have seen is, well, you can build something and you can build it correct fast, but if it's not the right thing, then it's the ultimate form of waste. And tying engineering and engineering excellence to business outcomes that are meaningful, you know, that really truly say, yes, I am building the right thing and I'm doing it in a well-efficient way is a space where a lot of people don't go. Um, I, what, what's been kind of the feedback from, from clients or, or anything around, around, are you getting any resistance from, you know, a lot of engineering folks that I run into is like, we do engineering and they do the business, you know, trying to pull that together can be a bit of a challenge. Uh, I'll just uh, call it one thing. Interesting. It's been the other way around. Uh, one thing we noticed was that uh, engineering leadership does uh, not do very well in articulating business outcomes and business value prop. And they are looking, I mean, 
you know, I, I joke about it. Some of us became engineers because we did not want to do MBA, right? <laughs> we just didn't get that word, right? That's why we are on this side. And now you're telling me that I have to kind of go and not just do something, understand it. And uh, those kind of uh, leadership really gets attracted to this because this is a very nice framework that's helping them do that uh, on the uh, on uh, one side. Yeah, Sachin, go ahead. I just wanted to call on that. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, your last statement was the key to me. Is uh, many times uh, organizations uh, don't like say that engineering and business is connected together or like they don't talk in that same context or in the same breath. Uh, and I think that is a real issue. Um, I have never met any teams who don't track properly with real tools, the business outcomes. They do. Just that it is in a different quarter of tools, which are accessed by only business focused people or finance interest people. And they are creating these reports and then they are circulating amongst them. But engineering team never even see that, like how my team is actually, uh, like whatever work I'm doing is impacting or not. And this lies into two sets of problems. One is how engineering programs are funded within organizations. Many times, the top level business adjacent uh, programs are funded at very high level. Example would be is I want to generate X million dollars from this new e-commerce initiative, which I'm doing. That's how they fund it. But then that e-commerce initiative needs to be broken into these 10 streams of work and they don't care how each stream needs to be tied to this larger goal. There are many frameworks available like OKR and uh, uh, you name it, right? Lean value trees. Yes. The challenge is people do not break it down to the lowest level. And there is almost a universal understanding that operational things, you can't even measure business outcomes. How do I even measure if I am working off, let's say, a DevOps team? What is the business outcome I'm having? The only business outcome I can have is uh, reduced cloud cost. I mean, is that what you're talking about? And these type of things needs to be um, like, first of all, challenged. That is number one. And two, we need to start doing this first and second and third level of measurement to these teams. And I'll give an example of that. One of my conversation, in one of my conversation, the customer challenged me. I am running an e-commerce site and I'm launching a new product. And this new product is actually responsibility of this four or five teams. Walk me through how you will measure this. And one of the example which I started with is, you know the benchmark of your popular category. Let's say you are launching t-shirts and then uh, uh, what is the another apparel which actually has a benchmark of conversion ratio, let's say. Yeah. And they said 6% is my conversion on this category. Perfect. Now you need to think about is whatever the 10 streams of work you're doing, let's say one of the stream is search of this particular category. You want that search result to be appearing enough top that it's not actually second and third page. Plus that you should start tracking the conversion ratio of this particular product. Now that is a business metric they are already doing. It's just that it is not visible to the engineering teams. Yeah. And now you bring that back and you you need to say that search uh, relevance has to match this to conversion ratio. Now the latency plays a role. So whatever the backend systems you are need, you need to have, 
need to have that promised uh, ratio and you it's a um, it's a concept of tweaking right you start with some assumption and baseline that i need to have 5% conversion or 10% conversion but i am getting 3 then what all things i need to do for example the response time uh, of my backend is currently 1.5 second but i need to have like less than 700 millisecond less than 500 millisecond these type of like a lower and lower metric you can adjust to make sure that it achieves that final business outcome and these you can say although this is a technical metric for you this is a business outcome metric because if you do not do this your business outcome is not met example would be is i am designing a car although uh, fuel efficiency is a technical metric it is business outcome metric because when the car is actually going on sale the higher fuel efficient car is going to be one of the more popular car or that is something which consumer have in mind so like it's a technical metric yet it is playing as a business outcome metric so it shifts from like left hand side to the right hand side and you need to track it then yeah that 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 i really like that example that that actually really paints a paints a really good picture the I think it also helps at the individual level. A lot of engineers don't feel like they really understand at all what the outcome to what they do is every day. Um especially when it get down into the infrastructure layer and platform engineers and some of those folks where it's like, yeah, I just make sure that the stuff works and you know, I don't really have but thinking about it in that way and being able to articulate it to the team really could have a very powerful kind of impact. Um so that does kind of bring me to to another question is what level can you measure these kind of metrics? So you have, you know, the, the engineering excellence, you have the business outcomes. Is this a group? Is it a team? Is it a, a person like how, by what level of granularity could or should you think about it? If you're, you're, you're trying to go down this kind of methodological road. Yeah. So, uh, Yeah, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what we propose is that uh, you know, if you look at it, business outcome is a result of a product, right? So, uh, take, you know, uh, this kind of correlation makes sense if you take the whole product team, which is uh, or a stream within a product which is aiming towards a business outcome right uh, so that that that's the granularity you should naturally think of that these set of folks are performing these set of engineering activities that will drive this business outcome and that that's the rule of thumb for the granularity now uh, is that a team um, is that um, maybe a project is that a program kind of depends upon how big uh you know the scope is but definitely may not make sense uh, at an individual level uh, uh, uh right because um and uh, sachin has some more uh, thoughts there but at some point uh, you know um the way the framework uh, offers how to do the exact measurements and how to calculate the correlation itself uh, kind of uh, enforces that you're thinking in terms of a set of activities obviously done by a set of folks that will help you create a correlation with the business outcome 
Okay. So Chris, uh, uh, in terms of uh, measurement granularity, I, I like how you phrased it because that is one of the key tenets of leadership, which I recommend. They need to think in that model. Like at what level I want to start measurements is, do I want to measure the effectiveness of uh, or efficiencies or even the productivity of my entire group, uh, set of projects, teams within that, or even individual? One thing which I am pretty certain, individual level productivity measurements, um, you need to separate between performance lens and productivity lens. Um, if you are thinking about performance measurement, right, whether uh, I should reward these people, whether I should give promotion to these people, whether they are doing it right or not, uh, using Ebo kind of framework to apply to that or even some sort of like rudimentary method from GitHub Insights, which is commits per day. Um, I think that's a lazy management tactic which you can deploy to say, you know what? I want to use this as an output metric and then link performance to that. Um, that's not a bad idea. Uh, sorry, not, not a good idea. I think performance measurement, there are, it is very important aspect of every employment. So there are proven frameworks, there are methods to that. And I'm no expert on that, how they should do it. They can do it into some industry standard way. Using these type of metrics to that doesn't fit. It is bad idea. Uh, there are some even researches which back this up. Example, if you put, let's say, commits per day as a metric, um, which is an output metric, and you say, I want to apply this output metric to my entire team, and I want to identify which developer is better than the other one. There is a Goodhart's law which talks about, he was an economist in 50s. And he wrote it to actually economics aspect of projects, but that is very uh, much relatable to even software. When a measurement becomes a target, that ceases to be a good metric. That's right. Now, if you say, Sachin, I am going to measure you against Dinkar based on number of commits per day, what is going to happen? Naturally, I am going to make sure my commits, if I'm a competitive nature guy, I'm going to make sure my commits, uh, number of commits per day are more. Now, how those commits happen is none of my problem. I will uh, I will put tabs to spaces or like uh, make smaller commits, like every four, four, 10 lines, I will actually do commit. In fact, I have seen people automating it. Like you could just like hit one. Every keystroke, key just go. <laughs> That's it. It commits, it pushes. And does it even impact business? I mean, is that what you want to measure? Will that reflect into some sort of like productivity gains and business gain for your end users? I hardly doubt uh, that. And if, if that is not going to matter, don't do it. In fact, there is a long-term problem you can face. If you create these individual metric, you create this culture of defensiveness, lack of collaboration, and uh, overall potential toxic culture within your organization. And that was never your intent to begin with. You wanted to make sure your teams perform to the best capabilities they have. And by doing this, you may just poison the water without even knowing about it. I, I totally agree. You see bad, and you know, you're absolutely right. Whenever you turn some, whenever you turn a metric into a goal, it, it will become very bad very quickly. And you know, the commits I think is, is I don't, I hope people aren't actually doing commits. I'm sure some people probably are, but even I'm sure there's a lot of other 
kind of bad ways to do this um, yeah. other than just, you know, other than just commits. And there's a lot of good, well-intentioned ways of doing this, but measuring productivity in that level, like individual productivity, it's, it, it it's, it, it's an effort problem. And how do you measure yeah. effort? And, you know, you could take the best, you know, Java developer and say, Hey, you know, it's the best employee you have. They are just amazing. Guess what? You're going to go write rust and you've never seen rust before in your life. And they're going to be probably pretty bad at it. They're a great employee that does everything that they can. And then the next day, those productivity measures in air quotes are going to show that they're the worst employee of the bunch, even though it just has to do with them going and solving a problem that the company needs to be solved. But in those metrics, it just looks terrible. And I, I call these uh, law of well-known unintended consequences. I mean, you, you were trying to do something. There was an unintended consequence, but this has happened so many times. You know it. So don't go that uh, path. Uh, you know, on the goal setting, um, you know, I, I want to differentiate between um, goal as your uh, target versus goal setting. I think there is value in goal setting. Um, and in fact, Evometrics does say that, you know, the best way uh, is to have transparency that, hey, this is the goal we have to achieve. And then actually track the team's journey towards that goal. The intention here is not that, hey, this is a goal. And if you don't achieve it, uh, you know, negative things are coming your way. Rather, hey, this is the goal. And I'm just going to keep an eye on how you're progressing. If you're progressing, all is well. Fine. One day you'll reach there uh, at the intended time. If you're not, do you need any help? Uh, those kind of things and the whole, uh, you know, um, and uh, the whole purpose of uh, goals then becomes a little more um, well served uh, rather than saying that, uh, hey, uh, you know, this is your target. If you don't achieve it, uh, you know, so goals as a vision or an aspiration or, a, you know, start of a journey towards something do make a lot of value. But goal as a target, um, you know, puts a target on your back. So. So really just to, to kind of restate all of that really individual, just bad, bad idea to, to, to measure this team level, project level, product level, organizational level. This is really the kind of the sweet spot of, you know, kind of the Evo metrics. And um, so the, we mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, we, we ran into the engineering leader that has 42 metrics on a dashboard. What, you know, what advice or what direction would you give to that person to say like, Hey, you have 42 metrics, but, but you really, you know, you don't necessarily need them. How would you kind of go about convincing them to rethink kind of their way of, of operating and kind of trying to move into this, this kind of way of thinking? So, um, you know, the, the, the two approaches uh, to be taken parallelly. One is helping them understand the philosophically the importance of not confusing the operational metrics with outcome metrics and allowing them to separate the two. So you track them with different purpose, right? But on, uh, you know, actionable things, things to be done. Uh, one thing that we do uh, suggest is uh, Chris introduce a concept of uh, fitness metrics to them. Um you know, if you're looking at uh, these kind of metrics, make sure they're multivariate. If they're multivariate, uh, they cannot be gamed. 
you know, knowingly or unknowingly, they won't create local optimas. You know, a lot of things need to fall into place for these metrics. So first is look for metrics which are multivariate. That's an indicator that probably it's a good outcome metric. Second, uh, focus on things that uh, lead to an outcome rather than a step in your process of the outcome. A step could be a KPI, could be an indicator of a hotspot and inefficiency. Again, put it into KPI performance indicators, put them on the side. They have their purpose. Don't confuse them with the uh, excellence side. Uh, third, step, what we started telling them, just don't put a metric and just put a red there. Uh, because what happens in the next meeting, everyone is focusing on the red. No one is trying to understand why certain are green. What are the right things we are doing there? What are the wrong right? And then people totally ignore the amber because it's neither green nor it is red. Probably we'll just wait on it till it becomes a red. And then so it's like management by crisis. Uh, don't do those kind of things. Uh, look at metrics, uh, how they change over a period of time. So uh, that timeline view is very important. So are things generally improving? That, that's a good sign. They may be slower than you want. You may have interventions like bringing them help, adding capacity, bringing training, so on and so forth, right? But look at, have a timeline view of things, uh, right? And if they're generally going down, go click. So th that's the second thing, right? And the third thing uh, is have a very well understood goal. Don't come up and say that, you know, my brother-in-law's company is <laughs> their lead time is five days. So all of you are going to have five days, right? Look at the product, look at the industry and look what kind of lead times are other products having. Do some research, have an agreed upon goal and then give them that goal. So they start. And uh, finally, you know, um, what happens when things go red on a dashboard in a status meeting is um, there are, uh, you know, whose fault is it? Uh, everyone becomes James Bond, their fault, their <laughs> fault, you know, and uh, things go wrong. So if you're going to put up a metric and you'll say that, hey, uh, hey, team, this is how I'm going to understand your excellence, have some kind of agreed upon, especially in the beginning itself, that if things go wrong, these are the action items we will take. This is a remediation we may go for. So when things go wrong, there are no knee-jerk reactions. Uh, there is no blaming happening, but there is an agreed upon playbook. You go start hitting it. Obviously, you'll make changes to it. Things may change, but at least there is something to start with rather than, you know, look at the nearest uh, meek voiced person and say that it's your fault. Yeah. Well, so and that's, that's what we advise to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's that last part is a, is a really big key for me where this is not a tool that I'm using to judge you from on high. This is a tool that we're collectively using to make sure that we're driving the right outcomes for, for the business. And, you know, that's a very, those, those really couldn't be any more different. And, you know, when people feel like they're involved with the process and it is just a way of making sure that we're driving excellence, if something turns red, you shouldn't freak out because it's not a hammer that's going to come get dropped on you. It's just something that says, Hey, things have fallen off track and we need to reconsider something. And, you know, I'll go back to like the tech that is an example. Oh, we've, you know, we've spent the last three or four months trying to get this, you know, heavy work done for some big business goal. And now all of a sudden, Hey, tech that is, is building. And 
we need to be aware of that. And that's a, a good, you know, kind of a good indicator of, you know, the, the process working. Yeah. Um, one of the, I, I completely agree, Chris, that is a key takeaway that how you want to do that. Uh, another uh, very adjacent one is um, local optima. Sometimes leaders actually have this uh, like fixation on one of the really big problems which they are facing. Example would be is uh, certainly customers started complaining that you are having buggy releases, let's say. And uh, you start thinking about, hey, why am I uh, like seeing these too many escape defects to the production? I'm going to put that as a target measure now into outcomes. And I'm going to just like keep talking about next six weeks on a weekly basis with the team. Hey, how many escape defects went to production? Now, that seems like logical reaction, right? This is something which is burning. I have put that as a metric and I want to fix, uh, fix it on that. Uh, the side effect you achieve with that type of philosophy. And first of all, I, uh, for anybody who wants to get a TLDR, don't do that. But if you want to know why you shouldn't do that, if you uh, started fixating on one metric and you uh, want, wanted to have a very deliberate conversation with your team, the team becomes defensive. Second is it impacts lead time because now they are going to be extremely cautious of like putting code into production. QAs will take more time. Developers will take more time. And they uh, also start having shaky confidence into their automation uh, process of getting code into production. And if you're not having a very holistic conversation about these type of things, then people say, you know what? I'm not going to go through that one more round discussion with my boss. Um, last time it was not very pleasant. It's okay that I go slow, but... Let me just like do it right. And then suddenly you are in, in hurry of fixing this metric, your lead time starts dropping. You, this is potential and you never intended to, that to happen. And suddenly you have also shattered the confidence of a lot of team members who used to very confidently put that code into production. So think about it, have conversation uh, that, that uh, how you summarized it is that I am not trying to just like pinpoint blame. I'm trying to like, we all are in this together to make sure that we are doing the right things. That's the attitude, which is extremely critical from get go. When an engineering leader is thinking about deploying any measurements, they need to be clear with intention why they want to measure. They need to take along their team, explain them, this is what we are going to do and explain them if certain metrics go red, what they are going to do. Like you need to give them psychological safety that this is to not pinpoint blame, but to make sure that we all improve. So that would be a key message, which I will recommend. Yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. I've seen many, many teams go completely sideways over one production incident that really didn't have an awful lot to do with anything horrible. And the whole team just spirals out of control because uh, somebody up above them lost it. And then now it has this, this impact on a team that just goes wild. Um, so I guess the where, so how, how do you get started? Like, you know, if, if, so I'm not the guy with 40, you know, 40 metrics, I'm somebody that hasn't measured a lot trying to get into it. Where, where, where do you begin? What, what do you, what would you suggest? Do you try to, you know, get business objects, are the business objectives and the engineering excellence both sides? Do you start on one side or the other? Like where, where would you begin? So step one, um, 
start with our framework, uh, you know, do improvements later. There's already something well-researched. Start with that. Start collecting these seven. Uh, set up the systems, data pipeline, methods, agreement, how we will calculate each one of the things. Slight direct digression. We were working with the client where every team had their own definition of lead time. So varied that they couldn't make any sense of looking at lead time of team A versus team B. Have some agreed upon definitions. Um, start calculating, uh, start collecting them. Um, we may assume that uh, product managers and business would know what the outcome metrics are. Product managers also fall into the trap of using product, uh, you know, uh, KPIs as business outcomes. Uh, avoid that. Uh, go through the exercise of picking right business outcomes. Apply the rule. Is it multivariate? Is it leading to indicating to a business outcome? Is uh, Do we have a good industry reference for it? All those things. Come up with those metrics start collecting this information and, uh, you know, start looking for that correlation. One thing that I have noticed a lot of teams say that we are in the beginning of a product's life cycle. So the product has not gone into production or the usage has not increased to the level that we will see some meaningful business outcome results come in. You know, one person to two, one customer to two customer is 100% <laughs> in growth rate, right? What we recommend to them is start with the left-hand side, you know, um, get that going, get those goals going. And um, as the right hand start coming in, that's when, you know, because now that it has gone into the market, that's where the correlation kind of comes into picture. And that's where the ultimate, uh, uh, you know, agile philosophy of build, major, learn kicks in. You have been building something with full excellence in mind. And now that it hits the market, look at what the market is telling you about your efficiencies and effectiveness improve upon them. You know, if, if you're pivoting, if you're bringing new features, uh, are you, is the lead time good enough? And that's where the correlation kind of helps you establish the build major learn. So I hope these uh, steps do make sense uh, as how to get started in a very practical manner. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Where, where can, where can people learn more is, you know, is there, I mean, do you guys have, I'm, I know you guys have a website, but I honestly don't know what it is. And do you have all like information on there? Can they, how, how can they, how can they find more? Yeah. So um, our website is ebo.org, eebo.org. Um, we have the framework there. We have the philosophy there. Sachin and I regularly blog on that. Obviously we have presence on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we have a podcast, um, on YouTube um, called uh, Let's See Where It Goes. Uh, it's YouTube at L-U-S-W-I-G. And uh, we're working on a book, uh, Sachin plugged it earlier, uh, never uh, too uh, late to plug it again. Uh, but there's, the, 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 you know, uh, Google for Ebo and you'll find us. Awesome. Well, this was, this was super, super informative for me. I really appreciate you guys kind of taking the time and coming and, and, you know, bringing me up to speed on some of this stuff. Um, I know I'm going to try to dig in a little bit more and I'll try to grab some of the uh, link over to your website on, on, in the show notes of, of what we have here. And 
uh, maybe even try to get an article written and get it posted on our website as well. So um, thanks for thanks for joining us, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.